than anything. Amen. Well, God is doing something, as Pastor Mario said, and thank you for all that are watching online. There's a lot of us here. Why don't we let those that are online hear us one more time? Why don't we say hi to them? Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. It's a packed house, and we wish you were here. We know there's a lot of people that can't make it. There are some that won't make it, but there's a lot that can't make it. You know, we have uh, a whole group of people who are elderly that uh, watch every single service faithfully, and uh, just because of risk, can't come. So don't think that this is the whole church, amen? This isn't all of us. But God, God is doing something in this place, man. God is, li- is changing lives, amen, on a weekly basis, and I'm, I'm humbled. I'm thankful to see what God is doing in this place. I look at your faces. Some of you are new. Some of you have been here a long time, but we're on a team that's undefeated this morning, amen? I mean, we're, we're on a team that's doing something for God. And as I was thinking about that song, this a group called Austin Stone. This song is called Greater. I encourage you to go listen to it. It's so powerful. How many get, when you get that song, you just repeat, repeat, repeat. And God is doing something greater this morning than we can even imagine. Amen? Bigger than we can even fathom in our, in our minds and in our spirits. I'm so thankful for the team that we have in this church that's working. You know what? Amen. We have a lot of people that are serving so that we can have a, a beautiful place to worship and be able to be online. And uh, I just feel led this morning. I don't do this a lot. I don't do it enough. But I want to thank everybody that works in this church. You know, right now we have people who are serving in the children's area. Uh, the blessing about having two services, and we mentioned at the next step um, how important that is, is we want, every, we, want, we want to get to the place where every single person in our church is serving. We don't want anybody on the bench. We want everybody in the game. And if you're going to make it for the Lord, getting involved is the key. You'll find, if you find anybody in this church, you know you heard Jesse mention that prayer, 15 years of an addict. You don't come off that and stay off of it alone. It takes a team, amen? It takes encouragement. And so anybody you talk to, you're going to find out that they're at church every time the doors are open. And there's a team that's allowing this to happen. I want to, be, I want to thank Pastor Mario and Deonza. Amen. I want them to stand real quick. And let's thank them for being such awesome assistant pastors to Carl and I. They're a tremendous blessing to us. Amen. We love you guys. I mean that. We're very thankful for you guys. Uh, we never knew all these years later that he's one of my best friends, that we would be serving together in church. Amen. And uh, I want to thank anybody who's in this service right now that works with the kids, nursery or children's church or Sunday school. Would you stand? I want to thank you this morning for, amen. Look at all these workers. Amen. That's the front line right there, amen, working with our kids. We're blessed to have teachers, actually, and uh, some of the people that were in the first service that are serving now didn't get this thanks. They'll probably be mad at me, but... Uh, at least you're getting it. Amen. All the guys that are serving as ushers or security, would you stand up so we can see you and thank you for everything that you do for the church? Amen. 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 Praise God. I don't want to miss anybody or leave anybody out. If you are on the praise team, some people do more than one job or sing or play an instrument. Did I miss anybody? You stand. Where they at? Where, where's, my, where's my beautiful daughter at? She's doing something, huh? She's serving. My pregnant daughter. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Uh, I thank God for my wife. Amen. I want to make sure that uh, we recognize all the workers straight back in the cameras and the sound booth and the uh, live streaming, the words. See how long that took? There's a lot going on. Amen. And because we have both services, it's a tremendous blessing because we have what's, what's called see one, serve one. And so everybody that was serving in the first service is able to be out here and be in the service and vice versa. So we, everybody always gets to hear the message. So it's a tremendous thing that God is doing in our church, and I just thank God for it. It's, it's humbling to see the revival, and this is just the beginning. Amen? We're believing that we're going to be able to knock that wall down one day and expand this sanctuary and get more people saved for the glory of God. Amen. How many came for a word this morning? Did you come to hear from God? Amen. I'm going to 
preach a message this morning that I want, I didn't say this in the first one. This is the good thing about having the first service. You get to say stuff in the second service you didn't get to say in the first one. It's going to be a little rocky at the beginning. It's going to be a little straightforward and harsh, and you're going to have straight faces and a little bit, maybe even get mad at me a little bit. But by the end, we're going to be shouting, clapping, and praising God. Is that all right? It's going to be a little rough in the beginning, but if we can make it to the end, it'll be good. I want to put the, what I'm going to talk about. Wait, wait, wait. Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. Let me ask you a question over here. How many of you want the favor of God in your life? The, the favor of God, right? That's unmerited blessing of God. How about over here? You want the favor of God in your life? Blessings of God? God to just be everything about your life. Now, the way to get that is we're going to deal with something. Let's put up the, the screen, the background, the title of the message this morning. Idols. Draw the line. How in the world do those two things go together? I'm, I'm glad you asked. You know, today we're living in a culture that is teaching us something that we don't even realize they're teaching us. And we are bombarded with something we're going to talk about a little bit here in a minute. And we're, the truth is we're using a lot of the stuff that becomes negative for good. We're using the cameras. We're using the screen. There's an image right in front of us right now. And, and, and that is a good thing. Amen. We're using technology this, this morning. There's people watching this in different places all over the world, watching this online service and, and, and listening to this. And so we're taking advantage of the image, but there's also a negative image that is being used today through social media, through TV, uh, through all kinds of things that's putting something out there that is doing this church. It's desensitizing us as a culture. And, and, and culture has even become an idol this morning. And so much of what we do and so much of who we are is embedded us and pushed on us and forced on us through our eyes and what we see every day. And things become idols in our lives and we don't even realize it. And in this culture, I began to think about how, uh, you know, I'm 47 years old and so I've seen some things. I'm not old enough to have seen as much as some people have. But I'm, this isn't my first rodeo. How, can many, how many can say this isn't my first rodeo? I've got that on my wall in my office, and this isn't the first time I've been around the block. Amen? And as I look at culture, I'm old enough to remember I Love Lucy. Anybody grow up watching I Love Lucy? My mom loved that show. I think my mom's seen that show so many times she can say the next words that are going to come out of Lucille Ball's mouth. And shows even later like Family Matters and Growing Pains and Brady Bunch and all these shows that were really were considered wholesome. And anybody old enough to remember those shows that actually had morals in them and they'd sit down and talk to their kids and, and go over things. And I'm not saying they were Christians, but there was, a, there was a difference. And it was so different that in the show of I Love Lucy, they were married but in the bed scenes, in the bedroom scenes, and by the way, they were never in, even in bed. Like, they didn't even do that. But in the room, they showed two beds. Now, they didn't sleep in, really in real life in two beds, but they showed two beds because they were so concerned about showing two people in the same bed that they showed a married couple with two beds. Now, look at fast forward to today. There's two beds, and there's two people of the same sex in the bed. And it's naked and right in front of your face. It's totally changed. Can I get an amen over here? It's totally changed. And so things that we used to say, stay with me, that were wrong, aren't wrong today. Things that used to bother us before don't bother us today. Things that we would never even look at, places that we would never go, are not, are not wrong anymore. I'm just talking generally. I know I'm not talking to anybody in here. Amen. But we've been desensitized by society, and this has been thrown on us and put on us to where we don't know what, right, what is right and what is wrong anymore. And we, we mentioned that in the last month, and we've, we've quoted Isaiah 520 where he prophesied thousands of years ago there would come a time when they would say that good is evil and evil is good, and that's the day we live in today. And, and our nation is totally not the nation that our nation was when it was founded. Amen. We're not, we have to come to grips with that. I told you about a month ago when I preached the message, and if you haven't heard it, go listen to it, about the World Wide Web. We're in the web. We're stuck. We have been trapped 
Unless you're going to go off the grid and live in the mountains with no internet and no electricity and no cars, and you're going to go live that life, you're trapped. And we need to come to grips with the fact that we're living in a day that there's a lot of stuff we can't control. But there is a lot of stuff we can control. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Amen? I want to read one key verse. This is going to be in Colossians. This is going to be talked about a lot this week during small group. If you're new in the church and you're not in a small group, find, go and ask somebody where, who, who does small groups and get in one. I want to see it grow even this week because what we do in the small groups in houses starting tonight all the way through Saturday is we get together in what's exactly what it says, small groups of 10 people or less, and we go over this message. And that's where we're able to break it down, study it, ask questions, and really, really learn. So I really want to encourage you, especially if you're new, if you just started coming to the church, find someone and ask them how to get in a small group. But this verse is going to be the key. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. I want to, this is a New Living Translation. He says, so put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you and have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Notice that it does not say there, church, don't do too much sexual immorality. Don't be too impure. Don't be too lustful. And don't have too many evil desires. Do you notice there that it has, says have nothing to do with those things? But going back to what I just said a second ago, as society bombards us with images, bombards us with social media, bombards us with the news, bombards us with their belief of what's right and wrong, we have to make a decision every single day. And we have to know, be careful that these things don't stick to us. And that things don't become idols. And I'm going to show you in a minute what that means. I'm going to break it down a little more. But this is a verse we can really focus on. He, he, so when you think about Jesus on the cross, how many know he died for our sins? We know that when he died, he died so he could be forgiven of them. But he's telling us we have to put to death those things in our own life. Paul said these words, I die daily. Does that sound weird? That means we have to die to what? To our desires. We have to die to this flesh. This flesh wants to do bad. This flesh is carnal. This flesh is lustful. This, le this flesh is greedy. This less, lust, uh, flesh is selfish. That's it. We, we every day have to wake up, and even though we're saved, and even though Jesus died on the cross, we have to deal with those things. He says, put them to death. That's on us. How many realize he's telling us to put those things to death? Things that are lurking. We don't, we, don't, we don't get an idol in our life. We don't just wake up and grab it and go, oh, make this an idol today. It's something that lurks. It's something that hangs around you. You know, one little example of that, just to think about this in technology, is how many know that they're listening to us? No matter how much you try to get them off the camera and the phone, they're listening to you, so you might as well give them some Jesus. Preach to them. Every, every once in a while, make sure you throw a message in there. Jesus is Lord. The devil's a liar. Amen. Just throw, they're listening, so give them a message. But when, if you might have you ever noticed when you're listening or talking to somebody about something and you go grab your phone, and you go to Facebook or Instagram or even Google or some search engine, and all of a sudden ads start coming up on what you talked about. Am I talking to anybody? Has that happened to you? Yes, because you're in the web. Why did I say that? Because what they're doing is they're listening to what you like. They're listening to what you want to buy. They're listening to what you need so that they can send the ad. I believe the enemy is doing the same thing with us. He's listening to what our needs are. He's listening to what our desires are. He's listening to the things that can hurt us. And he's lurking and he's waiting for an open door. He's looking for an opportunity to come in. And God says, I need you to put those things to death. You know what he's saying? Don't play with them. Too many people are playing with church. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you today, we're living in a day where people, I believe, 
are sick and tired of living a mediocre, lukewarm, fake life of Christianity. Christianity. And people are looking for the truth. People want to start really, really living a life that glorifies God. But they need help. We need help. We need someone to tell us what's wrong and what's right. And it's in the Bible. Can you say amen? Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Father, I pray this morning for every man and every woman, every teenager, every young person that's watching online, that you would arrest our minds right now. Lord, that you'd get a hold of our hearts and you would speak to us this word that truly can change our lives this morning and save us from some things and let us walk in the favor and the blessings of God. I bind you, Satan, and all your demons. And I speak to you now, if you're here trying to lie to anybody or deal with anybody or deceive anybody, that you must flee right now and leave this place. You are not welcome. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to take control. Touch these lives of these precious people this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to what Webster's Dictionary says about an idol. We already mentioned the image. You know, when we think of an idol, how many... Our, we've been alive long enough to know what an idol is, so we've heard it. There's even a show called American Idol. Amen? It's, it's, it's in our society. We think of an idol as an object. We think of it, and it can be, but we think of it as something that we look at or some deity or some rock or some whatever people make it. And so the Webster's Dictionary says that. But we need to go beyond that to see where our idolatry could be this morning. The next thing it says in the dictionary is, a person loved and honored to adoration. A person loved and honored to adoration. My Bible tells me there's only one person who deserves adoration, and that's God. Amen? How many believe that this morning? That God is the only one who is worthy of adoration. But this might, say, might shock you, church. Your spouse can be an idol. Your kids can be an idol. Your job can be an idol. That anything in your life, that the next part says, anything on which we set our affections, that to which we indulge an excessful and sinful attachment. And listen to this. This is the last thing it says. An idol is anything. Would you say that with me? Anything. Anything that takes the place of God in our hearts. Anything. Anything that is higher than who God is. I asked Carla yesterday, we were sitting at the house, I said, idol, what does it mean to you? Until I was preaching on it or nothing, she said something you can't live without. That's what an idol is. It's something you, I'm not talking about be eating to stay alive. and you, you get what I'm saying. Something you cannot live without. There are things in our lives that if they're taken away from us, we cannot live without them. God wants to be that person. God wants to be the person in your life that is the only thing you can't live without. And he doesn't want anything else to be that place. I don't have time to go into it this morning. I may minister more on this next week. But the Bible says in, in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus, he says over and over again, I am a jealous God. I don't share my glory with anyone. If you think, church, don't, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands here, but how many know we human beings have jealousy problems? Every person on the face of the earth has jealousy problems. Where do you think we get that from? We're made in God's image. He's a jealous God. He does not share his glory with anyone. He is not happy unless our affection is totally on him. 100% on God. Amen? That's where God is happy. And that is where we find favor. You want to have the favor of God in your life, you're going to have to put God first. Now let's go to the book of Daniel. And dive into this a little bit. And we're going to look just in the, we're not going to be anywhere else this morning but the book of Daniel. We'll look at chapter 1. And I'm going to read through this quickly, but this is very important because Daniel is a man who uh, is a young man. And before we start reading, just to give you background, these are Israelites who have been captured and they are now slaves. And what we're going to see in this story and from Babylon and it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
Nebuchadnezzar, I had the hardest time for years preaching in Spanish to say that in Spanish. I'm going to try it right now. Nabucodonosor. So, okay, my brother-in-law said this. So, so with my nieces and nephews, it's, it's, if it's really good, so-so, down. So I got the so-so. But I haven't said it for a long time. Nebuchadnezzar, amen. King of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And with some of the articles of the house of God, he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed, and I, and I don't know how to say this, I should have practiced it, but I, I always shorten people's names. If you know me and, and, and your name is Destiny, I'm going to call you Desi. If your name is Kristen, I'm going to call you Chris. If your name is Brandon Maxey, I'm going to call you B-Max. I sent him a text last night. I'm going to shorten it. So this is going to be Ash. The master of his eunuchs to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Watch this. Young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace. I'm going to throw something in here, church. You know who the devil's after the most right now? The young people. You see, in the, history repeats itself. Remember when you're reading the Bible that you're reading today's news. And, they, and, and this, this, this false god and this king went after the young people, the talented people. You know why all these people who start in church end up secular singing and getting Grammy Awards? Because the devil got them. That was a good place to say amen right there. You know, did you know that you find most of these people, I'm not going to say names, but most of them who are famous today and have sold their soul to the devil, literally, sang in church, and then the devil got them? Because the devil knows how to get people. Exactly with what we're talking about here. He, he gets you to compromise. That was free. And whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them, watch this, and if you're taking notes or highlight or really want to see an emphasis here, it says, and he appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. See, the, this world wants to give us our portion. This world wants to be our provider. How many know God is our provider? And then it says that they uh, might have these things before them that they might serve before the king after three years of training. Then it says, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, pay attention to this, the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Some of you might recognize these names. He gave to the name Daniel Belteshar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. How many have ever heard those three names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart, I want you to pay attention to this, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Self. Now I want you to pay attention to something very interesting here. This is going to help us. As these guys are captured, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in chapter 1, they're given new names. It was something they had no control over. It was something that they couldn't help. How many know if someone changes your name and, and they call you something else, you can't do anything about that? You can tell them all day long, but you know who you are. They changed their names. And then they told them, you got to go to school with us. you got to learn our language. you got to learn our culture. How many know we got to go to school? we got to go to public. You know, there's things we've got to do in this world. Got to go to school. Got to learn. But those two things are things that, that were not necessarily against what the Bible said. But the third thing, so changing the names and studying their beliefs and their language, it's okay. I, 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 I'll go with that. I'll put up with that. I'll live with that. But once you touch something that's in the Bible, that's where I'm drawing the line. Are you with me? And here's the thing. It says, when it came to eating the food, 
So the king's delicacies. I mean, most of us today would say, man, that sounds good. Myself included. The king's delicacies. It was probably good meat. It was probably good food. Delicious. Amazing. But the thing is, is in Daniel's time, although it was just food. See, that's what the devil tells us. It's just a little bit. It's just a little compromise. It's not a big deal. That's just that. It's just this. And today, church, I'm afraid that we have too many people as Christians looking to other Christians to make their decisions. I'm going to let my convictions be based off of yours. And if I want to do something, I'll go find somebody in the world that will tell me I can do it. And and, and I'll find five or six people that tell me I can do it. But God is looking to give his favor and his blessing to some men and some women who will draw the line and say, when it comes to the things of the Bible, I'm not crossing this line. When it comes to the things of the Bible, I will not compromise. I will not change for you or anybody else because I'm going to serve God. Do I have anybody in here that wants to do that? I believe you all do. I'm giving you all the benefit of the doubt that you want that, as I do. So Daniel says, in my law, in my Bible, if you know the Old Testament, we cannot eat blood, meat with blood in it. So he said, I have to draw the line. I can let you call me what you want me. My dad used to say all the time growing up, call me what you want, but don't call me late for dinner. Amen. Call me what you want and make me learn what you want me to learn and make me go to your school. But this I'm drawing the line on because now you're asking me to break the law of my God. Are you with me? Are you seeing where we're going? So that was forbidden. He, he stood. Now here's the thing. Everybody wants to get God's favor. Everybody wants that. No one would say, nah, I don't want God's favor. Everybody wants God's favor. But you're not going to get God's favor in your life until you start drawing the line. When you look at someone who has favor in their life, you can be sure it is them living a life where they have learned to draw the line and say, this is a line I will not cross. The line is this that you will not defile yourself with this world. We're in this world, but we don't have to live like the world. And that's what the world wants. The world wants us to be like them. A lot of Christians, too, they want to be saved. They want to go to heaven, but they want to hold on to the world, too. Does anybody know your Bible enough to know that God says you can't serve two masters? You can't have two masters. And, and God is a jealous God. And so he's not okay with lukewarm Christians. Matter of fact, he took the time to write about it in the Bible and said, if you're hot or cold, that's how I want you to be. But if you're lukewarm, if you're mediocre, if you're playing church, if you're just checking the box and going and you don't really love me, I really don't want your worship. I really don't want you to love me. I want you all in or all out. All in or all out. Do I have anybody in here who wants to be all in for God? All in. If you're not going to get serious about it, go hang out with the world. Just, just do one or the other. Aren't we like that in our, aren't we really like that too? Like, do you want your husband to love you halfway or fully? Do you want your kids to obey you halfway or fully? I mean, why is it that we look at God so different than what we expect from each other? We're made in his image. Amen. So here's something I want you to write down in your notes. Can your current habits carry you to your desired goal? Can your current habits carry you to your desired goal? So as we progress and begin to close up here, and I go to another story here in the Bible, what am I trying to say? There's stuff in front of us all the time. And a lot of the stuff that's in front of us is not God. It's not godly. It's not something we should be doing, things we shouldn't be seeing, things we shouldn't be saying, places we shouldn't be going, ways we shouldn't be living. And God is calling us to draw a line and say, you know what, I'm not going to cross this line. I want to live a life of holiness. I want to live a life of righteousness. I want to please God. And that's what these men were doing. They were in a, listen, they, they were in a way worse place than any of us could be. I don't think, as far as I know, any person in this church is living here by force in the United States. I don't think any of you were kidnapped. And I don't think any of you are being held against your will. 
kids and teenagers, you don't, you don't count. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and if you think you're being held against your will, God provide me a ticket for me and you to go to another country. And you can see how good you have it. But how many get what I'm saying? These guys had it worse than us. They were living in bondage. They were living in captivity. They were going against everything that they wanted. You think in our country, like, man, I don't like this country. I don't like the way it's going. Join the club. That's been like this throughout the entire time of the Bible. God's people are always going against the current. Just get used to it. Amen. Matter of fact, if you're not going against the current, you're going the wrong way. Amen. Did anybody get to watch The Chosen? I hope you're watching it. It's powerful. See, second episode tonight. They, the guy that made it says the fish, in case you didn't hear him, the fish going the opposite way that are green. That's the picture of what we're supposed to be doing. The world's going this way, and we're supposed to be going this way. When you start looking around and everybody's going the same way, turn around and go the other way. Jesus said, didn't he say in his word, that the road to heaven is narrow, and the road to destruction is broad. I'm not saying that we can't all be here together as Christians and all that, but I'm saying when the world starts saying something's okay, it's probably not. Amen. So watch this. Let's, let's go to this. In this story, I'm going to tell you where to go in a second, the, the, Daniel now is going to face Nebuchadnezzar's image of himself. He makes this humongous golden image, and he tells everybody, I want you to send out news that when I sound these instruments and I play this song, I want everybody to bow down and worship me. Anybody who doesn't bow down and worship me is going to be thrown into the fire. Okay? Maybe you've never been to church before. This is going to be a great story for you. This guy, Daniel, is a young man. He's not an old man. He's a young man. He's good looking. He's smart. He's wise. And he's holy. You can be smart and wise and good looking and, 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 and you can even be cool and you can get along with people and people can like you and you can be holy. But you don't be like that to get friends. Please God. Please God. Amen? This man was doing it. He was, the Bible gave you the description, but he said there's a line I'm not going to cross and I don't care who crosses it. So the, the image is made, and he is brought before uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and I want to end with this story. And now I'm going to give you all the benefit of the doubt that you're all in on this, and you want to get all the idols out of your life, and you want to live for God like Daniel. How many, are, how many am I getting the benefit of the doubt from? Y'all with me? How many want to live that kind of life? Because I want us to read this story together as if it's us as well. And so Daniel uh, is told find out by Nebuchadnezzar he's not worshiping. He goes before Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. And it says, Shadrach, sorry, not Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, by the way, those three had the same exact qualities as Daniel, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, watch this, our God... Do you know who your God is this morning? There's a, there's a fervency that God wants us to be able to say, my God shall supply all my needs. My God is going to take, my God. How many know we need to know who our God is? He says, our God, whom we, now watch this, whom we serve. It does not say whom we go and worship at church on Sunday. It does not say whom we talk about sometimes. It does not say who we wear a shirt about. What word does he say there? Serve. My God who we serve. How many know God's not looking for you to check a box that you came to church today? He's looking for you to serve him. He's looking for you to give him your life like he gave his for us. So he says, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will. Do you have that kind of confidence this morning? God will deliver me. He not, not he might, but he will. 
And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But watch this. This is resolve. Too many people miss out right there. They say, God, I love you and I worship you. And they're, and they're telling them, and then something goes wrong. Or God doesn't do things the way God, they, we want him to do it. And then they're gone. They're not in the church anymore. They're not serving God for, what they, for what, who God is. They're serving God for what they can get from him. They, but they said, but if, let it, be, let it be known to you, O king, if my God, which he can get us out of this, if he does not get us out of this, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship your golden image, which you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar got mad, real mad. And he says, with an expression of changed face, I want to make the devil make this face on a daily basis. Amen. If you're not making the devil mad, something's wrong. Amen. You need to be making the devil mad on a daily basis. If the devil's smiling when he looks at you, something's wrong. I want God to smile and the devil to be mad. Why would he be mad? Because we're making decisions that make him mad. So he gets mad, changed his face towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and spoke and commanded that they turn the heat up seven times. Does anybody know you don't really need to hurt, turn the heat up when it's hot? How many know hot is hot? He said, make that thing seven times hotter. And then, watch this, then it was usually heated. And he commanded certain men of mighty valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And I love this. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, look at this, the flame of fire killed the men. He, he, he had some strong men put these men in, and the hot fire was so hot that it killed the men that put them in there. And men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, watch this. Anybody who knows their Bible enough to know the Word of God outside of what we're reading knows that when God is doing something at this moment, He's working on something else somewhere else. And it says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he said to his counselors, didn't we cast three men into the midst of the fire? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, true, O king. Well, watch what happens. Look, I see four men loose. Didn't they go inbound? He said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. See, if you know your Bible, Isaiah 43 says, he didn't say you won't go through the fire. He said, when you go through the fire, I will walk you through it. When you walk in the water, I won't let you drown. And these men knew, even being in the fire, God was going to be in the fire with them. If you stand up for God, God will stand up for you. Not your friends, not your gang friends, not people who say they're with you and then they're gone when you stand before the judge. I'm talking about a God who will stand with you no matter what you go through and he'll stand with you in the fire. He said, I see some four men, and he says, and one of them is like the Son of God. Jesus was in the fire with them. And it says, they aren't hurt. See, what the world can do to you can't hurt you. Jesus said in another scripture, I didn't mention this in the first service, he said, don't fear man who can kill your body alone. He says, but fear the one who can take your life and send you to hell. Why would you be worried about some, some man when there's a God who is in control of your eternity? Amen? And then it says, let's listen to this last part. All right, that was it. I want to read that part again. And they are not hurt, and the fourth of them is like the Son of God. Jesus is with you right now. 
And he's the one that's convicting you and telling you, get that stuff out of your life. You don't need that in your life because I want you to walk in my favor and I want you to walk in my blessings and I want you to see my hand upon your life. Those things are doing nothing but hurt you. The devil makes a lot of promises. Did you know that these singers that come out and they say they sold their soul to the devil, they truly believe. And they truly have sold their souls. The devil prospers them. He's the prince of this world. And they think they can't come away from it. They think they can't turn back to God. God is looking and waiting for us to turn to him. Amen. He's a merciful God and an awesome God. I want you to think about something real quick. I'm, I'm finishing right here. Three quick things that you can think about. Is what I'm doing contrary to the scripture? Whatever it is. Does it go against God's word? Number two, are my motives pure in what I'm trying to do? And number three, will it defile me? This is the house of God. See, in the Old Testament, they went into the sanctuary. Today, we're the sanctuary. We're the sanctuary where Jesus lives. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That might jack you up in your thinking because no one's ever told you that before. Because we look at the church with reverence, and we should. But it's just a building. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God abides in you right now. He's living. If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he's living inside of you. The Bible calls us living epistles, which means we're the Bible, written by Bible, walking. All over this place this morning, as you, as you bow your heads, I know every single one of us in this place want favor and want blessings. I believe every one of us in this place want to do right. I believe we want to please God. I believe we want to live for the Lord, serve Him, and make Him happy. But the truth is, we're not all doing that. Because we've let idols come into our lives. We've let things take the place of God. What can't you live without? You think, you think you don't need something until you go without it for a little bit and you realize, man, I can't live without that. God doesn't want you to have anything in your life that's greater than him. He's greater. He's better. He's an awesome God. And he loves you this morning. And I'm talking to some people this morning who are here and all you've known your whole life is religion. You've got a form of godliness. You love God. You believe in God. But you don't really know who he is. And God wants you to know him. He wants you to know you, he wants you to know him intimately. And the way you get to know him is through his word. How could that young man Daniel and those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stand for God knowing they were going to go into a fire? How could those disciples give their lives knowing they were going to die because they knew God? If you don't know him this morning, I'm not asking you if you are a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you uh, have been in church your whole life. I'm not asking you if you're carrying a Bible. I'm asking you this morning, are you born again? Are you saved? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you made a decision like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego did where they said, I, I won't cross that line. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. How many in this place could be honest right now all over this place and say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me this morning because today I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life because I want him to stand in the fire with me. Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down? I see your hand. I see your hand, young lady. I see your hand, young lady. How many more? All over this place. I believe God is speaking to some hearts right now. I see your hand. Maybe you're here and you think, I'm a good person. I do better, more good than I do bad. That's not the right way to think about it. The Bible tells us that our sin is like, our, sorry, our righteousness, what we do good is like filthy rags. We'll never be good enough in our own power. Jesus took his his stripes on his back and nails in his hands for your sins.
while you were still a sinner. I believe there's some more people today that if you walked out of this place this morning and died somehow, lost your, la- lost your life, breathed your last breath, you're not sure you'd go to heaven. I want you to be sure. That cro- on that cross, Jesus had a thief on his si- one side and a thief on the other. One mocked him and one said, Jesus, will you remember me today? All he did was say, Jesus, will you remember me today? He didn't get baptized. He didn't go to church. He didn't tithe. He didn't pray. He said, Jesus, will you remember? What he, what he was doing was he was putting his faith in what Jesus was doing on that cross. Will you remember me today, Jesus? Jesus looked at him. He didn't say, you need to go get baptized. He didn't say, you need to go get things right. He didn't say any of that. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. How many more? You're not sure. Just put that hand up and put it right back down. I need Jesus. I see your hand. How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. I want to ask one more thing. Maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said that prayer. But today, right now, not, not last month, not last year, today, your heart's not right. Something's happened that has come into your life and you've been, you're mad at God. You're not going to hurt God by being mad at Him. God's always going to be right. Give your heart to God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for being mad. I'm sorry for not understanding things. For, forgive me, Lord. I want to come back to my first love. How many could say I need to come back today to my first love? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet quickly and please stay in this attitude because God is dealing with people's hearts right now. This is the most important part of the service. This is the part we pray for. This is the moment where we're going to make a decision that's going to change our lives. Did you notice in this story that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood for Jesus? They said, we'll go in that fire, but we're not bowing to you. They stood up for him, and it cost them the fire. Jesus never promised we wouldn't have fire in our life. Jesus never promised we would have a perfect life. I quoted that a couple weeks ago. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the other promise is that the Lord delivers us out of all of them. But you're going to go through the fire. He didn't say when. Sorry, if. He said when. You're going to have struggles. But like, I got news for you. You're going to have struggles with or without God. Be smart and have it with Him. Life's hard for those that don't believe in God, and life's hard for those that do believe in God. But when you believe in God and you stand for Him, you have His favor in your life, and God can take a situation and turn it around just like he did with them. The Bible says that they came out of that fire and didn't even smell like fire. Do you know that's impossible? Anybody likes to get around a fire, you smell like smoke? They came out and didn't even smell like fire. That's supernatural. It's real. It's not a Bible story. It's truth. And today, God is asking you to stand for him. I saw many hands go up for salvation and rededication. If you raised your hand and you're serious, if you're not serious, don't even listen to me on this next part. Because if you can't do this next part, you won't make it anyways. You've got to make a decision that I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not afraid of what the world thinks. I don't care. what I only care what God thinks. If you raised your hand and you meant it, would you do one more thing? Would you find that nearest aisle, step out into the aisle, and come down here and tell everybody, I'm going to give Jesus my life today. Amen. Come on, don't wait for somebody else. Come on, the church, they're coming. Over here, hands went up. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. You've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on. Come on, church, keep clapping. We're going to wait. Thank you, Jesus. God's touching your hearts right now. He's seeing you stand for him right now. Amen. There comes some more. Come on. How many more? How many more? I'm going to stand for Jesus. We will not bow to you. And if you throw us in that fire, we're still going to worship God. Amen. Come on. I'm going to wait just a moment. There was a few more hands. I'm doing this for you. Make a public confession of your faith. Amen. Amen. There's another one. Come on. Praise the God. Let me let me let me say this real quick. I don't 
You know, when I repeat things, it's, it's not because it's a good line. It's because it's truth. Those men came out of that fire because they confessed they were not going to bow to hit that God. They said, so it was Old Testament terms. They didn't know Jesus yet. They said, our God is going to deliver us from this. Now, that meant Jesus, too, but they just didn't know Jesus yet. Today, we say, my Jesus, my Lord, is, is master, and I'm going to confess him before everybody. I want everybody to know that I believe in him. And Jesus said these words. That what you guys just did is what's called a public confession of your faith. Because Jesus said, if, and I, I want to I congratulate you. You were the first one to move. Amen. You just moved. That's how I know you're serious. I'm going whether anybody else comes or not. That's what God's looking for. Amen. And then you said, come on, let's go together. And you came. You could have said no, but you came. I watched. Amen. That's good. We need someone to pull on us, on us sometimes. Amen. Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. Listen, but this is not my words. My brother-in-law that's back here who's a, who used to be an agnostic, raise your hands so everybody can see you, used to be an agnostic and is now a pastor. He didn't like this part of the service when he got saved. He jokes about it. But he knows how important it was. He didn't know he was going to have to come forward. He didn't know. He just was going to raise his hand there and, I can pray at my seat. Yeah, you can pray at your seat. But that's not a public confession. And if you can't come stand in front of a church, people in church, and say, I believe in Jesus, there's no way you're going to do it out there. I'm trying to help you. Amen. I'm trying to get you started on making a public confession. So then he says, but if you deny me, or in other words, if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed. Those are his words. I'll be ashamed of you before my Father that's in heaven. So if you claim him over there, you know, you know my heart, Lord. And you stand before God and say, I don't know. I don't know. So you're making a public confession. I'm going to give. There's, there's more people in this place who need to do this. I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm going to count to five, and then we're going to move on. If you've never stood in front of a, a, a body of believers and said, or anybody, I believe in Jesus, I want you to do it. Maybe you said the prayer a bunch of years ago and you've never made a public confession. Maybe you raised your hand and the devil's got your feet paralyzed right now. Tell the devil to leave you alone. They were bound and thrown into that fire, but then they were loosed. Something gets loosed when you confess Jesus. Count to five. If there's any more. How many more? Five, four, three. Two, one, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of the living God. I believe you came down from heaven, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for my sins. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart. God raised him from the dead. And because of that, I can be saved. You took my place. You paid a price I could never pay. Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins. Wash me clean from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen.